Welcome. You're listening to the podcast of First Church in Woodland, California, Pastor Timothy Wisnett. We're so glad you could join us, and we pray that this message you're listening to today is a blessing to your day, and I want to invite you also to visit us online at firstchurch.app to get connected with us and learn about our service and upcoming events, and uh, we hope that we can connect with you and see you soon. Touching Jesus is all that really matters, and your life will never be the same. when Jesus passed by he lifted his voice and the more people told him you need to be quiet the Bible said he lifted his voice the more and cried with a great deal and without even physically touching him he touched Jesus I believe you can touch the hem of his garment this morning oh, and touching Jesus is all that really matters you can touch him and your life will never be the same for there's only one way that you can touch him you must believe when you call on his name I believe somebody's getting close
on, sing it one more time if you know it. Oh, and touching Jesus is all that really matters. And your life will never be the same. Come on, why don't you call his name right now? Hallelujah. Come on, lift up your voice and just call on the name of the Lord. Oh, there's nobody like Jesus. There's nobody like Jesus. Amen, amen, amen. If you have your Bibles and will stand with me, going to the Gospel of Mark, chapter number 8. Amen, beginning at verse 21. The Gospel of Mark, chapter 8, beginning at verse 21. Amen. Very familiar passage of scripture. And he said unto them, How is it that you do not understand? And he cometh to Bethsaida, and they bring a blind man unto him and besought him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand. Everybody say, He took the blind man by the hand. And then the Bible said, And led him out of the town. And when he had spit on his eyes and put his hands on him, he asked him if he saw aught. And he looked up and said, I see men as trees walking. And after that, he put his hands again upon him. Everybody say, he put his hands again upon him and made him look up. And he was restored and saw every man clearly. Amen. The Bible said Jesus touched this man the first time he spit in his eyes. And he saw men as trees. The second time, the Bible said he touched him and he saw clearly. But there's a third touch in there. And I want to preach today on this thought, three times touched. Amen. Three times touched. Let's pray together right now. Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your precious anointing in this place. I thank you, Lord, for the liberty that we have to worship you in spirit and in truth. Lord, I pray that you would speak to our hearts and to our minds this morning. Lord, I pray if there's anybody that seems bound or restricted in their life, in their walk with you, maybe there's some kind of addiction or stronghold in their life. Maybe there's just discouragement or apathy, oh God. I pray that you would reach down and touch them and strengthen them, Lord. Let healing flow into this house this morning. Lord, let deliverance flow into this house this morning. Let salvation flow into this house this morning, we pray in the name of Jesus. And everyone said amen. Amen. Would you just give the Lord a hand clap of praise? Hallelujah. Amen. 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 God bless you. You can be seated. Look at your neighbor and say three times touched. Years ago, if a person was unfortunate enough to have cataracts grow on their eyes, they were doomed to a life of blindness. Thankfully, today, someone who has cataracts can receive surgery and is readily available, amen, and frequently perform these surgeries that are able to heal and even prevent blindness. I, I remember a few years ago when uh, just after my mother passed away, uh, my dad was having hard, a hard time seeing, and he had been her primary caregiver for seven or eight years, so his health took kind of uh, on the back burner because the provider, the caregiver, has to uh, put their life on hold, so to speak, to be able to take care of the person with the most urgent and immediate need. And so after my mother passed away, we began to uh, turn our attention to some of the things in my dad's life that needed to be fixed, such as a knee replacement and a back surgery. And uh, But one of the most immediate and pressing things was is he was having problems seeing. He couldn't see very well. And so I, I took him to the optometrist uh, to have his, or ophthalmologist to have his eyes checked. 
and to get him a new pair of glasses. And the doctor walked out and said, he really doesn't need a new pair of glasses, aren't going to fix this. He's got cataracts and uh, he needs cataract surgery. And uh, he didn't tell us that he couldn't really see very much. He tried to play it off. And then one night he wound up in a ditch because he didn't see the turn at night. And so thank God they did a, just a little simple procedure. And uh, in, in just a few hours or days after that procedure, he was able to cl see clearly. I I'm thankful that we have these advances in medicine that we're able to uh, have people have cataract surgery or all kinds of surgeries that can fix ailments. And um, you can take whatever stand you want, but I believe these doctors are enabled by the gifting of God to be able to perform them, whether they believe in God or not. It's God who gives the talent, God who allows the technology and gives the ability. Amen. And I'm so thankful that we have it. Amen. Eye implants are becoming a greater uh, and greater uh, number of surgeries that are happening. There's even uh, eye donors that, that you can get uh, implanted surgery. I, literally someone else's eyeballs and, and a person is able to be healed of that blindness and their able to see a whole lot better or maybe even for the first time there's these advances in gaining vision again uh, during the bible time it, it it goes without saying they didn't have these advancements of technology they didn't have these abilities to to uh, be able to perform a surgery all they had was herbal cures all they had was faith in god amen i want to tell you i still believe that jesus christ is able to heal today just like he did 2,000 years ago. I've been blessed enough in my life. I've seen blind eyes open. I've seen deaf ears come open. I've seen the mute begin to speak. I've seen the lame get up out of wheelchairs. I still believe in the healing power of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not, the day of miracles is not behind us. The day of miracles is here with us right now. Some of you in this building are testimonies to the healing power of Jesus Christ. I want you to know if you got a sickness in your body, our God is still able to heal right now. Amen. Look at somebody and say, he still does it now. Amen. I, I, I was reading a commentary not too long ago. And uh, they, were, they were talking about the woman with the issue of blood. And they were uh, talking about how uh, there was some kind of a lack of understanding and the ability that most likely it was endometriosis. And, and they were talking about this. And sometimes these commentaries, they try to explain away the miraculous power of Jesus Christ. Amen. But I want to tell you something. He is a healer today. It doesn't matter what the ailment is. It doesn't matter what the sickness is. It doesn't doesn't matter what the situation is. All I know is touching Jesus makes a difference. When you reach out and touch him and he reaches out and touches you, he can still raise the dead. He can still set the captive free. He can still set the alcoholic and the drug addict free from their addiction. How many believe that this morning? Amen. Amen. I'm thankful for the advances in medical science, but we should never forget that Jesus has power to heal any sickness that is before us today. He can heal blinded eyes today just like he healed them back then. Uh, just a few years ago, I was preaching uh, in, uh, in Canada, in Quebec, and preaching for uh, Pastor Hanscom there, a friend of mine. And uh, this person came up, this lady came up for healing in her eyes. She had, and she was almost legally blind. Her, eye, her glasses were so thick. She had very strong uh, stigmatism. She had very uh, poor eyesight. And we prayed for her that night. And uh, when she put her glasses on, after she opened her eyes, she couldn't see and it panicked her. But when she pulled her glasses off, she was able to see clearly. And God restored her vision in that service on a Sunday night. I'm telling you, he is still able to correct what needs corrected in our life. Amen. I'm not saying don't ever go to a doctor again. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying put your trust in Jesus. Put your hope in Jesus. Believe that God is able. 
Amen. I've got more faith in Jesus than I do Kaiser. I got more faith in Jesus than I do Sutter. I got more faith in Jesus than I do UC Davis Medical Center. I believe that Jesus is still able to touch today. Amen. Amen. We grew up in our area. Uh, a very strong uh, sect of denomination there uh, that believe that the days of miracles have ceased. Amen. And they, they believe tongues have ceased. They believe that uh, uh, healing has ceased. All of those giftings died with the apostles. But I'm going to tell you something. They did not die with the early church. They're still alive and well today. The Bible said that the gifts and callings of God are irrevocable. Amen. In other words, if he did it then, he's going to do it now. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. That literally translates Jesus, who he was yesterday, he will be today, and he will be forevermore. If he healed then, he can heal now. And if you get sickness tomorrow, he'll be able to heal tomorrow. Can you say amen? Amen. This is a very specific miracle in the ministry of Jesus uh, because if he were to be the Messiah, and he was, uh, one of the prerequisites of being the Messiah is that he would have to heal the blinded eyes. The prophet Isaiah, some 800 years before the birth of Christ, in Isaiah chapter 42, beginning at verse number 1, the Bible uh, lays out a prophecy of the Messiah. And the Lord speaking through Isaiah, says, Behold my servant, upon, uh, uh, whom I uphold, mine elect, in whom my soul delighteth. I have put my spirit upon him. He shall bring forth judgment to the Gentiles. He shall not cry, nor lift up, nor cause his voice to be heard in the street. A bruised reed uh, he shall not break, and the smoking flax he shall not quench. He shall bring forth judgment unto truth. He shall not fail, nor be discouraged, till he have set judgment in the earth and the isles shall wait for his law. Thus saith, the, saith God the Lord, he that created heavens and stretched them out, he that spreadeth forth the earth and which come out of it, he that giveth breath unto the people upon it and spirit to them that walk therein. I, the Lord, have called thee unto righteousness and I will hold thine hand and will keep thee and will give thee for a covenant of the people for a light unto the Gentiles. This is the prophecy of Jesus to open the blinded eyes to bring out the prisoners from the prison and them that sit in darkness out of the prison house so a prerequisite of Jesus being Messiah is that he was going to have to open blinded eyes he was the promised one the anointed one the chosen one the Lamb of God and he was to bring the fulfillment of this prophecy of Isaiah as he was to heal the blinded. Amen. The Bible said the first sermon that Jesus preached. Amen. He stood up and he read from the prophet Isaiah and said, for the spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he hath anointed me to open blinded eyes. Amen. It was one of the foretold prophecies that if Messiah was to come, amen, that he would have to open blinded eyes. Amen. Even John the Baptist, while he was in a prison cell and was about to face execution. Uh, he, the great, the Bible said Jesus declared that John the Baptist was the greatest born among women. He was the greatest prophet to ever live. And just before he faced the executioner who would take his head from off his shoulders, uh, amen, John said to his disciples, go ask Jesus if we should believe on him that he is the Messiah or is there another one to come? Amen. Don't, don't beat yourself up because you face discouragement in your life. Amen. Man, don't feel like you have you can't be a part of the house of God or the family of God because there's questioning in your life from time to time. Amen. Even John the Baptist questioned just hours before his death when he said, Is he the one or do we believe on another? And then when they came and asked Jesus this question in Matthew 11 and 4 and 5, Jesus answered him and said, You go tell John that the things we 
which you hear and see. The blind receive their sight and the lame walk. The lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear and the dead raised up and the poor have the gospel preached to them. Amen. The first thing he said is you go tell John that the blind eyes are opening up to be able to see. In other words, Jesus said, yes, I am he. I am the one upon whom you prophesied. I am the one upon whom you said he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fight. Yes, John, I am the one to which you declared, behold, the Lamb of God which come to take away the sins of the world. I'm so glad I serve a God that fulfilled every messianic prophecy that had been prophesied for 4,000 years. I'm so glad he fulfilled every word that was prophesied about him. And I want you to know something here this morning. He can open up blinded eyes even in this house. Whether they are physically blind eyes or they are spiritually blind eyes, he is able to restore vision to those who cannot see. Amen. 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 Look at somebody and say he can still heal today. The New Testament records at least seven incidents of the healing of the blind by Jesus. At least seven times that Jesus healed the blind in the gospel stories. It's interesting to watch the actions of Jesus as he healed these blind men. I'll, I'll not go through all seven instances, but I will uh, to just share with you a few of them. In Matthew 9 and 27 through 30, the Bible said two blind men are healed uh, when Jesus touched their eyes. In Matthew 12 and 22, a man is not only healed of blindness, but he's healed of deafness. In Mark chapter 10 and verse 52, there is a blind man by the name of Bartimaeus, and he is healed when Jesus but speaks a word of healing to him. John 9 and 6, the Bible says Jesus uses saliva and mud to heal the eyes of a blind man. And here in our text today, this man is touched a man by Jesus three times. Now, I have preached on this many times and, and quite possibly, most certainly, I've preached here on the power of the second touch, that Jesus touched this man, a man, two times. Amen. But I want to preach to you today that there were three physical touches touches that Jesus gave this man. Amen. The first time Jesus touched him, his eyes were healed. We know that. We preached that in the second touch. Amen. Was applied to his eyes that healed his mind. The first time his eyes were open, but he saw men merely as trees. He saw them as just lumbering figures that were moving. Let me just uh, 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 deviate from my notes for just a minute to say that the first thing that the blind man saw was men as trees. I want you to think about this man was born from birth. He didn't know what men looked like and he didn't know what trees looked like. But when his eyes were open, the very first thing he said that he saw is I see men as trees moving about. I, I thought about this until sometime uh, here in the last, uh, recently in the last year or so, I was studying this passage of scripture uh, to where he saw men as trees and it, and it fascinated me. And, and I, I feel feel as if that, that there was a significance and is a significance to this uh, or the gospel writer would not have recorded it in the manner that he did that he saw men as trees uh, I want you to think about something for a moment amen if you have ever experienced any blindness any temporary blindness or you've been in a very dark room the only way you know how to navigate is by obstacles I want you to think about that. You only know how to navigate by obstacles when you don't have sight. You see, when I have vision, I can see there are obstacles. But when I have no vision, I'm going to hit every obstacle in the room or in the way to try to navigate myself around it. And let me just pause and say this. If you're constantly running into things in your walk with God, if you're constantly falling down, you might want to check your vision. There might be a vision problem. 
The Bible said he saw men as trees. He had not been able to see before this moment before. Amen. He saw men as trees. They, they were just, uh, amen. We don't know if they were blurry figures. We don't know if they were clear figures. But when he saw men, the only way he was able to relate to them was that they are trees. In other words, uh, as a blind man, he had ran into a few trees in his life. As a matter of fact, the most painful thing physically he probably endured growing up was learning to navigate new places in town or new places outside of town as he would walk into trees, as he would put his hand out and he would feel the circumference of this hard matter and he would rub his hands around the edge and his foot around the edge and he would realize that's a tree and I better get around it. See, he never see trees as beautiful. He never saw trees as fruitful or productive or shade or anything else. He only saw trees as something that hurt him and got in the way of them. Amen. I want you to know something. When this blind man said I saw men as trees, he said I only see them as my obstacles. I only see them as my pain. There are some of you in this house right now that you don't see your co-worker as a soul. You don't see them as somebody that needs the gospel. Maybe there's somebody that's hurt you in the past. Somebody that's wronged you and let you down. And all you see is men as trees walking around. You need another touch from the Lord Jesus today to be able to see clearly. All he saw was men as trees. He only he identified men with the things that had hurt him. He identified people as the things that had let him down and that had scarred him. I want to tell you something this morning. You can leave here with a fresh touch of Jesus in your life that you won't see people as your problem, but you will see people as God's solution for your life. ministries. He was trying to navigate around. He didn't know how to navigate around. He didn't know, amen, how to get around because he only knew trees was a no-go. He only knew trees were painful. And the Bible said that God touched him. Jesus touched him the second time. And the second time, it wasn't that God healed his eyes the second time. His eyes were already healed. You with me? Jesus didn't have to heal his eyes again. Jesus had to heal his mind. The first one healed his eyes. The second time he touched him, it healed his mind. And I want to show you here today that there were more than two touches, but there were three physical touches applied by Jesus that day that I want to share with you this morning. Amen. Not only of his, the healing of this man's sight, amen, but the three touches of Jesus that made a difference in this man's life and will make a difference in our life today. The first touch that is recorded, let me, let me just give you a synopsis and then we're going to preach them. The three touches. The first touch was recorded in verse 23 where Jesus took him by the hand and led him out of the city. That's the first touch. Everybody say the first touch. And that was the touch of encouragement. In that same verse, we see where Jesus puts his hands on him and his eyes were opened. This is the touch of enlightenment. And then we see the third touch on that day where Jesus puts his hand again upon the blind man in verse 25. And he is able to see clearly. Amen. And that is the touch of enablement. So the three touches were the touch of encouragement, the touch of enlightenment, and the touch of enablement. Using this record in the Gospels. I want to show you this morning how this story can be applied to our lives even today. I don't know about you, but I feel there are people in this place that need the first touch of Jesus today. I believe there are some people in this room right now that could use a touch of encouragement. Amen. From the Lord Jesus Christ. Scriptures tell us that they, they helped him. They, perhaps the men's friend, the man's friend or family brought him to Jesus. The concept of a stretcher bearer. We've seen this before where four lame, the four friends of the lame man uh, could not get him in the building where Jesus was preaching. You know the story, they climbed up on the roof and they ripped it off and they let him down by the four corners of his bed and Jesus healed him. Uh, now we find these men, these people brought the blind man to Jesus. These people People had enough faith that if they could only get this blind man to Jesus that he could be healed let me say this stop and just say this it matters who you surround yourself with 
I said, it matters who you surround yourself with. I can still remember the old folks saying, show me your friends. I'll show you your future. Show me your friends. I'll reveal your attitude. It matters who you're surrounded by. It matters if you're surrounded by people that are going to wallow in the muck of self-pity with you or who are going to pick you up underneath your shoulders and say, no, we got to get to Jesus. It matters whether you got friends that say, I'll pray with you or friends that say, I'll get drunk with you. It matters whether you got friends that will support you to get to the presence of God or will withhold you from the presence of God. I want to encourage you to get around the right people. Get around the right people. Get around the right friends. Get around the right kind of folks that'll bring you into the presence of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You need some friends like that in your life. And if you don't, it's not that God hadn't sent any most of the time. It's because uh, folks don't want that kind of accountability in their life. They don't want that kind of connection in their life. Amen. You need somebody that'll call you in, on Sunday morning and say, hey, I'm excited to see you today. Well, you say, well, I'm tired. I'm not, I'm not feeling, I think I'm just going to rest up today. You need somebody that can speak in your life and say, uh-uh, we ain't playing that game. Uh, that dog ain't going to hunt. You're going to get yourself to the house of the Lord. Lord this morning and God's going to speak to you and God's going to bless you everybody needs somebody in their life like that that says no you're not going to that party no you're not going to partake of that stuff no I'm not going to let you do that I'm not going to let you mess around with that you need a friend in your life uh, that can speak to you and say God's got better plans for your life than what you're about to mess up right now you need friends that will bring you to Jesus not pull you from Jesus amen amen I'm kind of on something right here. So I'm just going to settle down for a moment. I, I can tell I got some of you nervous, so I'm right where I need to be. Say, well, how do I know if those are the kind of friends or not? Because when you invite them to church, they never show up, but you always go to their stuff. Those are not the kind of friends that are godly friends. Those are the kind of friends that are always going to tell jokes around you that are not right. Oh, I'm pastoring now. It's the kind of friends around you that don't mind saying things that are offensive to God's word, but they'll say it anyway. And they'll follow it up. Oh, I didn't mean to say that. Yes, you did. It was in you. You wanted to say it. You were trying to elicit a response when you said it. They're doing that to see how they can push the boundaries in your life. You invite them to go to church. You invite them to revival. You invite them to prayer. You invite them to Bible study. And they're always too busy for it. But you always seem to find time to do the things they want to do. Those are not the friends that you need in your life. I wish I had a whole lot of parents clapping saying amen right now. Amen. Those are the kind of relationships you need in your life. It's somebody that will say, hey, you, you've got some issues in your life. Let's not go to Instagram or Facebook with our junk. Let's go to Jesus with our problems and let's pray about this together. Amen. The scripture said that these people begged Jesus, the friends of this man, the family of this man, begged Jesus to touch him. They had a strong desire to see this man healed. And they took him to the only one they knew that could provide the healing. I want to pause and say this this morning. Not one time did the Bible speak of the blind man's faith, but the faith of the men that took him to Jesus. Just like the four men who let the lame man down in the house that Jesus raised up off his bed and never spoke to uh, the point of the, of the lame man's faith but to the faith of the four men who were willing to rip off the roof uh, and put their friend before Jesus. Uh, I want people in my life that are willing to climb a building that are willing to rip off a roof they've got enough faith to say if I can just get you to Jesus I know there's a chance. I know there is an opportunity. I'm glad I'm in a house filled with people this morning that believe in the healing touch of God. That believe in the intervention of the Holy Ghost in our life. I wonder this morning if we have enough faith just like the friends of this blind man did. 
that Jesus could heal. They brought him to. Do we believe like that? Do we believe that Jesus can still heal and restore and change the life of friends or loved ones? Do we still have enough faith that God is able to heal a marriage, that God is able to restore health to somebody's life? Do we still believe that God can break the chains of addiction over somebody's life? If we do, then let me just say, if we do, we ought to do everything in our power to get them into the presence of God, to get them into the house of God, to lead them to a place, to the one that can meet their needs. The Bible said after the request to touch the blind man was given by those who brought him, the Bible said Jesus touches this man. He grabs him by the hand with the touch of encouragement. The Bible said he took him by the hand and he led him outside the town. I read the story uh, a thousand times or more and I never really noticed that part. That The Bible said it took him by the hand and he led the blind man to the outside of town. I began to wonder about why in the world didn't Jesus just heal him right there? As a matter of fact, this is the only account that I can, maybe I'm wrong, the only account that I can remember that Jesus didn't heal them on the spot, but Jesus removed them to heal them. Why would Jesus take him out of Bethsaida? Why did he just heal him on the spot? Perhaps we can find the answer in Matthew 11 and 20 through 21. Then the Bible says that he began to upbraid the cities wherein, the most, wherein most of his mighty works were done because they repented not. Woe unto thee, Chorazan. Woe unto thee, Bethsaida. For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre or Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. You see, the, the city of Bethsaida had become calloused and unrepented. Their hearts had become as hardened as stone. And the sad reality is there are some folks that are like the citizens of Bethsaida. Amen. Their hearts have become hardened to the touch of God. Their hearts have become, become hardened to the preaching of the word of God. Their hearts have become calloused and unrepented. I want you to know that if Jesus is ever going to do anything in our life, we have got to be repentant before him and we've got to be available for his word to speak into our life. Perhaps that's why many of our altars are empty and we're not seeing the miracles of healing that we desire to see all the time. Maybe, maybe that's why we don't see here what we, what we see overseas as much is maybe there is something within us that is still trying our own way. Maybe Jesus is our plan B rather than our plan A. Amen. But I'm telling you that if you've got enough faith to get into the presence of God, if you've got enough faith to come before him with a clean heart and clean hands, there is nothing that he is not able to do in your life. The Bible said Jesus took him by the hand and he led him out of the city. He led him to a place where his word could be received, where miracles could be received. Amen. Where he would be surrounded by a majority of people who would have faith rather than not have faith and be filled with doubt. I want, don't be surprised when you begin to commit your life to God that Jesus takes you by the hand and he pulls you out of a circle of friends that you're in right now. Don't be surprised Surprised that the more you commit your life to Jesus that he won't pull you out of the circle you're in it's not because he's mean it's not because he's angry it's because he wants to heal you he wants to bless you he wants to use you that was the touch of encouragement. Amen. Be careful. I, I feel i got to say it again. Be careful who you surround yourself with. Be careful of the people that when you live committed and you walk before God uprightly and they start telling you it don't take all that. All that stuff's not necessary. I don't believe you ought to do all of that. You better watch out for people like that. Those are Bethsadians in your life. Those are Bethsadian citizens that don't want to see God bless you and see God use you and move in your life. You need to let Jesus take you by the hand and lead you out to the edge of the city where he can do something marvelous in your life. So it was a touch of encouragement. Jesus showed interest in the blind man. He didn't say 
follow me because he knew the man was blind. He had sympathy for his plight and he grabbed him by the hand with that touch of encouragement and he led him to the outside of the city and just like the man in our text, I am confident enough that if you'll let Jesus take you by the hand, he's going to lead you beside the still waters. He's going to lead you to green pastures. I am confident that if you'll let Jesus take you by the hand, he's going to lead you to places you never could have imagined in your life. Amen. I want you to know that Jesus is in this house right now with his hand outstretched and he wants to lead you to a place of blessing and anointing and relationship and favor. It was the patient loving touch of Jesus to the blind man. He didn't pull him. He didn't yank him around. He took him by the hand and secured his grip around the hand of that blind man. And he so lovingly and patiently walked him to a place where the miraculous would be performed for his benefit. Aren't you thankful that God is patient with us? Aren't you thankful that God has been patient with you and me? I'm so thankful that he takes me by the hand. I know we live in an patient generation we live in the hurry up generation we live in the microwave generation but if God's ever really going to do anything in your life you have got to put your hand in his and trust him that he's going to lead you to the paths of righteousness for his name's sake be patient somebody say be patient be patient and follow him. He's going to lead you somewhere. Something great is going to happen. It's the touch of encouragement. Somebody say the touch of encouragement. Amen. I wonder this morning if we're going to let Jesus encourage us in this house. Amen. If you feel a yanking and a tugging, that's not him. If you feel a pushing from behind, that's not him. Because God is a gentleman. He'll take you by the hand and he will lead you even when you don't understand it. He will guide you into places you cannot comprehend. I know you don't see the way. I know you don't know tomorrow. You don't see what's coming around the corner. Amen. You're blinded by the situation that you're in. But I want to encourage you this morning if you will just hold on to the hand of the encourager he's going to lead you to places he's promised he's going to guide you to realms that he has spoken over your life not only was his touch of a touch of encouragement but the touch of Jesus the next touch was also a touch of enlightenment it's interesting that Jesus spit on the man's eyes and then placed his hands on him it's a good thing he was blind too. Because I don't think I would have received that well. I'm certain you would. Heard somebody say, well, he spit in my eyes. I wouldn't care because it's Jesus. Yeah, you would. Because you didn't know that. Just like this blind man didn't know it. And Jesus spit right in his eyes. And then the Bible said he placed his hands on them. Now, I want to be really clear. Jesus did not need to spit in that man's eyes to heal him. I'm going to say it again. Jesus did not need to spit in that man's eyes to heal his eyes. But that man needed Jesus to spit in his eyes. See, we, we got to realize, we got to get to the point where we don't care how Jesus does it as long as Jesus does it. We got to quit giving God marching orders in my life. Lord, you do this this way and you do this that way. God, I want you to do it like this and I want you to do it like that. You know what we need to do? We need to step back and say, whoa, 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 wait a second. Lord, you just be God in this situation. You do it however you want to do it. You do it whatever way you want to do it. I'm not Lord. I'm not God in this situation. I want you to move. You see, Jesus could have spoke a word and healed that blinded man. Amen man but that man needed to feel that something was being done uh, that somebody has helped him uh, or cared for them James 2 and 15 and 16 says uh, if a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food and of one of you say to them depart in peace uh, and be ye warmed and filled notwithstanding ye give them not those things which are needful of the body what doth it profit in other words uh, if somebody in your life is in need uh, and 
and you just say, I'll pray for you, and that's it, but you have the ability to help, and you don't. What good did it do them? You see, this blind man, he didn't just just need the word of God alone, but he needed the touch, the physical touch of God in his life. And God was interested that this man would feel the touch of Almighty God in his life. I got to tell somebody, he cares enough about you to reach out and touch you, not just to speak to you, but to reach out and touch you. See, the reality is that our infirmities have a tendency to harden us. That our sickness, our depression, amen, the things that we go through on the daily have a way of hardening us and making us calloused and making us bitter and making us indifferent. But Jesus wanted to heal this man from the inside out. Jesus wants to heal you from the inside out. It doesn't matter if you can see if your heart is hardened. It doesn't matter if you can speak if your heart's filled with bitterness. Jesus said, I got a healing from the inside out. So the second touch, Jesus asked him if he can see. And then the man was enlightened to the world of vision. He saw men as trees walking around. The man could see, but his mind could not comprehend what his eyes were seeing. You see, he couldn't see everything the way his mind was trying to process it. We are too much like this man sometimes. We see things, but we don't always comprehend things. Helen Keller once said, it's a terrible thing to, to not be able to see, but it's even more terrible to be able to see but not have vision. I wonder this morning, do we have enlightenment to a vision? When we come to Jesus to be touched, amen, do we have belief? Do we believe that God can? Or are we so hardened by the times we didn't feel he did it the way we wanted it to be done? I'm telling you, the touch of encouragement is in this house, and the touch of enlightenment is in this house. He can open up your mind. He can open up your heart. He can touch you right now by his presence. I've got to tell somebody this morning, you may be in here not comprehending why things are happening to you the way they are. Why are I, am I struggling with this? Why am I going through this? God may not give you the answer you want, but I believe he can touch you in this place with encouragement and enlightenment to say, I'm still in control. I'm still Lord of all. I'm still able to do exceeding abundantly above all that you ask or think. Amen, not only will his touch encourage us, not only will his touch enlighten us, but I want to preach about the third and final touch, that his touch will enable us. Only seeing men as trees is never good enough. Only seeing men as problems and obstacles is never good enough. It's amazing how we lash out at people as if they're the problem and never the spirit that's controlling that person. See, he was touched not once, not twice, but the third time. He was touched three times to bring about enablement. This touch would allow him to clearly see his world, his friends, and his family. Not only was he enabled to see, but he was also able, enabled to walk around. He was enabled to live a life without constant help of need from others. I want you to hear me that Jesus, he wants to free you from the constant dependence upon people or things or addictions in your life. He wants to set you free from those things that you feel you cannot live without. Amen. Those addictions in your life. Those vices that you struggle with in your life. Some people can't be healed from bitterness because they don't want to forgive. Some people can't be healed from a sickness because they don't want to be released from it. But if you will allow God to touch you this morning, I believe that he will enable you and he will empower you by his touch that you can come up and you can come out and you can be free from dependencies in your life that are not from him. 
I believe that he can enable you to see clearly. I believe he can give you not just sight but vision. I said I believe he can give you not just sight but vision so you can see with understanding as the word of God says with all thy getting get understanding. We need to see as the prophet Elisha saw and not just the way his servant saw. Second Kings chapter 6 and verses 15 through 17 says and when the servant of the man of God was risen early and gone forth behold a host encompassed the city both with horses and chariots. His servant said unto him alas my master how shall we do? Verse 16 and he answered fear not for they that be with us are more than that be with them. Verse 17 said and Elisha the prophet prayed and said Lord I pray thee open his eyes that he may be see that he may see and the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw and behold the mountain was full of chariots of fire and horses round about Elisha I know you may feel like you're surrounded by the enemy of your life but I would to God that he would enable your vision to see that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world you may feel like you're surrounded but I'm telling you God's got your enemies surrounded. God's got your enemies surrounded. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost here right now. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what enemy is opposing you, what it is that you're fighting in your life. But if you would allow God to touch your eyes one more time, you'll be able to look at the battle and say, the battle is not mine, but it's the Lord's. God's going to bring the victory. I can't do it by myself. I couldn't do it of my own accord. But God is able to do it. I need to be three times touched by the Lord. I'm preaching to somebody right now. I'm preaching to the spirit right now that says I'm surrounded. I don't think I'm ever going to be healed. I don't think I'm ever going to come through this situation. There's too much opposing me. There's too much against me. Oh yeah, you've been touched once. You've been touched twice. But now you need God to touch your eyes again so that we can look at the enemy around us and say oh, I know it may look like I'm surrounded by you it may look like you're going to defeat me but there is more that is with us than there is that is against us stand with me and remember this remember this the Bible said stand with me the Bible said when, when Satan fell one third of the angels fell with him now I'm not a mathematician. That's not my strong suit. But I can do enough math, Elder Henderson, that if one-third fell with Satan, how many did that leave? Two-thirds. That means for every one that's against you, there's two that is for you. We are troubled on every side, but not perplexed. And even if you were outnumbered, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And if God be for us, who shall be against us? (laughs) See, we need to receive that touch today. That allows us to look out and not see what we're surrounded by. But that God would enable us to see who is standing with us. You're not in this fight by yourself. You're not in this thing alone. God is with you. And if you are filled with the Holy Ghost and have surrounded yourself with people, that are filled with his spirit. I'm not talking about weekend warrior Christians. I'm talking about prayer warriors that know how to pray, that know how to live for God. If you are surrounded yourself with him, the Bible said one could set a thousand angels to flight. But if two would pray together in agreement, they could send 10,000 angels. 
That means three could lose a hundred thousand. Four could lose a million. Five could lose ten million. Six could lose a hundred million. Rather than it always taking people just to encourage you to be faithful. Well, amen. I'm going to try to end this on a good note. Amen. I'm still trying to get somebody to show up to the service. If you, if you can live for God, some, some people have to be babied their whole walk with God. Remember, it takes six people to carry one dead person. You get that? Six people to carry one dead person. But what if those six people didn't have to carry you all the time? What if you were able to get in agreement with them and begin to pray in agreement? They wouldn't have to carry you through every little pothole of life. You could call down the angels from heaven. Instead of for looking for reasons to be discouraged, look for reasons to be encouraged. I know it's July. I, I know where we're at. Some people look for a reason to not, not come to church. Look for a reason to not be faithful to God. Look for a reason, an excuse to always get it. God's, God wants to enable you today. He wants to empower you with that third touch. You ain't going to believe this. One, one time, years ago, I had somebody get mad. Sister Cindy, we're glad you're home. Got mad. Somebody had been in church ever since Noah came off the ark got mad because I didn't call them and, and invite them to their own church service. Showed up to church, swolled up like an old bullfrog. Missed a whole week of revival that week. Huffing around, wanting me to notice that, that she was upset. And when she finally got around to telling me she was upset, which I already knew it, everybody knew it. She did everything but hold her breath till she passed out. She, she informed me that she was upset that I didn't call and personally invite her to the revival as a member of the church. Amen. Don't be the one that is the obstacle. Be the one that's the enabler. We're all going to need to be carried from time to time. But between the times when I need to be carried, I want to make sure that I'm in agreement with somebody because I want to see God do something great in their life. I don't just want you to believe for it all the time or just to pray about it or to speak it by faith. I want to see God do it in your life. And the only way that can happen, listen to me, is when you allow the third touch of Jesus in your life to where he will empower you and he will enable you. I feel the Holy Ghost right now. He will enable you to see things beyond the physical realm, to be able to see things beyond the natural realm. Amen. I don't know about you, but I love it when God touches my eyes and I can see a vision in the spirit or gives me a dream that I can see into the future. God wants to do that for somebody in this place right now. Amen. You may need encouragement. You may need enlightenment. You may need empowerment. And I've come to tell you, you're in the right place for all of those things to happen because Jesus is in this house and you're surrounded by friends and family that believe and that have faith that God can do it in your life. I want you to take somebody by the hand near you right now. And I just want you to lift their hand and I want you to pray for a moment. I'm about to open this altar in just a second, but I want us to pray. Amen. Jesus had to lead him, lead him out of Bethsaida. Amen. I'm praying right now that in this moment, you'll come up out of Bethsaida in this moment. That before and when you are moving to this altar, you can feel the three touches of God in your life. Amen. That you can feel the encouragement. That you can experience the enlightenment. And that you will know the empowerment and the enablement of God in your life right now. In the name of Jesus, I pray. God, loose them to be enlightened. Loose them, Lord, to be encouraged. Loose them to be empowered in the name of Jesus. 
Hallelujah. If you need any of the three touches of Jesus, I invite you to join me in this altar right now. Come on. I invite you to join me in this altar. Maybe you got somebody you know in this church that's a friend or family that's going through it. I want you to take them by the hand. And I want you to say, come on down there. We're going to get out of Bethsaida. And we're going to pray together. And God's going to encourage. And God's going to enlighten. And God is going to enable. In the name of Jesus, I believe before you leave here, you're going to be saved. There is more with us than against us. Greater is he that is for me. Greater is he that is with me than he that is against me. again for joining us for this podcast. It's such an honor that we could have you and we pray you were blessed by the word today. We want to stay connected with you and so give us a follow on our social media pages on Facebook or Instagram. You can find all of those on our website at firstchurch.app. You can also stay connected with us through that uh, website and you can download it as an app on your phone from there. And so until the next time, we pray you're blessed. Have a great week in Jesus name.